you guys would pray with me. God, I thank you for this morning, Father. Uh, Father, to speak into an area that is uh, important for all of us, Father. These feelings of not being worthy, not feeling accepted by you or accepted by others, Father, where the enemy wants those feelings to penetrate our lives, a lack of worth, a lack of, of all of that, Father, and how you bring infinite worth to all of us. Father, I'm thankful that you use a sinner turned saint because of the power of your blood like myself, Father. Thank you that you get to use the imperfect for your purposes. We love you, Jesus, in your powerful name. Amen. I, uh, I googled uh, this week uh, the word dirty and uh, found a blog. It was actually one of the first blogs I found and because uh, I, I just need, I wanted to talk about what whatever would come up in a Google search of that that would be dirty, and uh, and so what came up ironically was Flint, Michigan, and uh, and an article written on a website that I'm actually familiar with called I Am Second. Are any of you guys familiar with I Am Second? If not, you should be. It's a great it's a great awesome website that has like hundreds of uh, testimonies, famous people, not so famous people, just powerful testimonies of life change. And so on that blog, they wrote uh, an article about Flint, Michigan. And a few years ago, Flint, Michigan had this issue with uh, with really dirty water. And so I just want to read you guys a snippet of this of this blog post because transparently, I didn't know much about it. Uh, and so here's the author. The author says, when I first saw the picture of the water people were drinking in Flint, Michigan, my heart sank. How could this happen in the 21st century America? I got angry. I got mad at politicians. Have you been there? I wanted to post something on Facebook. And then something happened inside of me that changed my outlook. If you haven't totally familiar, familiarized yourself with Flint, the Flint uh, water crisis. Here's a quick summary. Over the last two years, uh, over two years ago, Flint was pur purchasing uh, most of its municipal water from Detroit, a city that was undergoing a financial crisis, and that was deemed to be too pricey. So the city restored to its uh, backup supply the Flint River. So all their water was coming from the Flint River. The Flint River's water ended up being highly corrosive and found levels of E. coli, among other things, deeming most of the homes in Flint, Michigan, containing unsafe water to drink. He goes on to say, that's especially hard to stomach for a city that is, in very simple terms, poor. The median household income in Flint is about 25000 for a household. 42% of its population lives under the poverty line. But as is common in American, uh, America, the, the world and its various plights for the poor cities go neglected. The city that clearly happened in Flint where the officials routinely brushed off the complaints about the drinking water uh, and, with the, and all the evidence that the water was corrupted. And if you feel angry, as I do, you, you, you might start to direct your, your, your anger towards the partisan, uh, partisan politician of your choi choosing, the, the Democrats that control the city of Flint, or the Republican governor who runs the state. And that's exactly what welled up inside of me. But then I started thinking, and I was moved beyond my political reflexes and started thinking, what about the people? And then I realized how wrong I was. I was making this water crisis about me, my politics, my righteous anger, and I was not caring for the people that were being affected. The people in the nation's poorest cities deserve more than a Facebook complaint about your conservative or liberal politics. 
The problem in Flint is it's much larger than the need to chew on the elected, uh, elected official. It's about embracing justice. It's not the kind that probably just popped into your head. Today, our society basically thinks that justice means equal treatment for all people under the law. Well, that is true. The purest concept of justice is instinctively uh, linked to the plight of the poor. Practicing true justice isn't just trying to figure out which official to blame or simply opening up another tab on your browser. It's real prayer. It's real support for the people of Flint, Michigan. It's actually doing something. It's doing justice, as Tim Keller would say. God loves and defends those in the least of economic and social power, and, we, and so should we. And that is what it means to do justice. Note the defending of the poor in this instance doesn't include using it as a public crisis to make an argument against a political party that you disagree with. And, and they go on. And all I knew up until that point about Flint, Michigan, I got from Facebook. <laughs> and there's a dangerous thing about that, isn't it? And, and, and it just hit me so hard that, that take, put the Flint, Michigan thing aside. Go, yes, that's disgusting, isn't it? Like when we think of dirty, that's dirty. And, and, and when we see things like that, when we see things that happen this week in, in Texas, our first, our first instinct is to jump onto social media and start ripping apart whichever political party we want to rip apart. What good does that accomplish? How do we go about dirty things that are happening in our society? Maybe part of dealing with the dirt of society is dealing with the dirt of ourselves. Maybe that's one of the starting points. Maybe we're so quick. We, we love finding dirt. We love seeking dirt. We want more and more dirt. But what about the dirt in, our, in ourselves? You were, you were handed a card on, on the way in. Think, think for a second and, and a pen. Think for a second of the most heinous thing that you've ever done. Now tell the person next to you. <laughs> we wouldn't, right? Because t making it public, thinking, thinking in our head, like, I'm so dirty because of X, Y, Z, but now telling it to the person next to me, oh, that's going to bring the dirt. I'm going to feel publicly ashamed and dirty. I would never do that. I would never want them to know this thing. But here's what I would like you to do if you can, even whether you have to write it down in code or whether it's not, hey, I'm thinking something, and if I had the guts to write it on the card, this is what I would write on the card. Identify something, and if you're willing, write it on the card, this something that you would be so ashamed, so heinous in your life, past or present, that, that, you, that makes you feel dirty, even if you have to write it in code. And my question to us, as we go into thinking about caring for people like Flint, Michigan, does our compassion have limits? Do we, do we have limits in our compassion for other people because we look at God, we look at what would be written on this card, and we think, God could never, God could never, he is a forgiving God. We just sang songs of worship. We just sang about God's forgiving nature, and he can forgive 99% of things. But the thing on this card, oh, surely not, he'll never forgive. So there's a limit to God's forgiveness. And if that's how we view God, then wouldn't that affect how we show compassion to other people? It makes us feel that I'm accepted in so many areas, but if this got out, I would be unaccepted. Or maybe you're on the opposite side of the equation. Maybe, 
Maybe you go about and you serve the poor. Maybe you give and you give and you give and you give and you give, but it's out of obligation. Like, what's on this card is so heinous and so dirty that, that I have to give God everything. I, ha- I owe, I owe, I owe, I owe. And so I know no limits. I, I never care for myself because myself isn't worth caring about. And so I go all in with caring for others, and I neglect my own spiritual Where do you find yourselves right now? And I think in five short little verses, Jesus speaks into all of this. So we're going to continue on in Luke chapter 5. Open up in the app. Open up your Bible, but follow along. And, and, And the story continues. He says, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man Full of leprosy. Now, this isn't a disease. You're not going to go to the community and find a lot of people dealing with leprosy. We're not too familiar with it anymore. But it's a disgusting disease. It's a very contagious disease. As it, as it goes, uh, goes its way, you, you start to lose limbs, you lose fingers, and you eventually die from it. Like, your, your body starts to corrode. And this man has said he's full of leprosy. This isn't, he didn't just get it. He's lived a long time with this. And so then he knows what would happen with leprosy. If you're back in this day and age, if you live with leprosy, you live in your own little community. You're on the outsides of the city. city. All y'all can worship over here, but all the lepers, they're going to hang out over here in their own little community because, heaven forbid, we get their disease, we get their sick. And if you have to walk into the city, if you have to walk among all the clean people, you unclean, 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 I'm unclean, I'm unclean, so that everybody can move aside because we don't want healthy and sick to coexist. And so that's the life of a man with leprosy. This man only knows that type of life to be isolated and put off to the city. And when he comes in around other people, he has to tell everybody, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. And so and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. A disease hated by society that brought fear into society. Jesus says, forget the fear. I'm touching this man. I will reach out and touch what is felt to be dirty and make him clean, saying, I will be clean. And immediately, immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him not to tell anyone, but go, go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded, as proof to them. Now here's what I'm going to do for the next few moments, and I want to make this point very clear right now. I'm going to talk about leprosy as if it was sin. It is not sin. Because what we could draw the conclusion with is I'm struggling with some medical, medical issue and what I'm about to say might sound like I'm saying your disease is, is a result of your sin. I am not saying that. There are diseases that can come from sin. That's not always the case. But in this society, if you were to walk in the sandals of people in the, in the year zero-ish, you would find out that everybody in this society treated leprosy as sin. If you had leprosy, you had done something wrong, God is punishing you, and therefore you are sick because of your sin. And so we're treating this as the context of which we find it. What I am not saying to you is if you, your child, your loved one has some sort of disease, it's a direct result of their sin. Please hear me from the get-go. 
But that, especially for Jews, that's how they treated it. And so Jesus, he, does, he doesn't say, Jesus, you can heal me. He says, Jesus, you can make me clean. Because a person wasn't healed from leprosy, they were, they were cleansed. There was a spiritual element to it. And so this person is, is cleansed from it. And knowing the, the, this man, he, he knows that, how isolated he's been and how awful his life will be and, and how humbling it is to be at the feet of Jesus. He falls on his face and begs Jesus, Jesus, I, I don't doubt you can. And so will you? Will you? He doesn't doubt Jesus' capability. He's doubting Jesus's. Willingness. If you look at the grammar in this text, you, you would find that the if, that the, that the speaker, the leper, doesn't presume to know if the if is true. The speaker that is saying this is, is saying, in, in, in essence, hey, I know you can, but, but will you? I mean, I don't blame you either way. If, I mean, you do you, Jesus, but here I am full of leprosy. I, if, you, if you want to, I'm just a dirty, good-for-nothing good person, but if you, if you want to have patience with me and heal me, you, you do you. Everything about being outside of the city makes him question people's willingness. You think about the, the homeless man that sits on the streets in New York City. He's not doubting people's ability. Millions of people walk by him every single day. He doesn't question the ability of people to help him as they walk by. What does he question with every single person? Willingness. Are you willing to help me? And so here's this leper in the ugliness of, of his life. He's looking at Jesus and saying, I don't doubt that you can. I doubt that you will. And is, isn't, like, do, do you feel that pain? And some of you, as we, as we think about what we would write on this card, don't you feel that pain? Don't we, don't we some of us walk into this place with that type of a pain where, where we have great faith in Jesus? We'll sing the songs, God, you forgive me. God, I love your forgiveness. Thank you for, for your forgiveness. But then Pastor Jason gets up here, and it gets real heavy real fast, and now I'm thinking about something I'm going to write on my card, and this, is, this sucks. I don't even know. I don't, I, like faith and doubt all of a sudden starts creeping in, doesn't it? Like, God, I know you can. Do you want to or will you? Is it sexual sin that you would write down on here? Is it, is it an area of drug use? Is it, is it sharp words? It, we're, we're, what, five and a half months into 2018? Have, have there already been ruined relationships this year? Have you wronged, been wronged in, in, or done the wrong in, in, in your marriage or on your workplace or, or to a landlord or to, or to somebody o over you? Have, have you wronged them? And, and, and what you would write on here, I would never want anybody to know. I feel so dirty at the thought of it. And so I share with you the most dirty I have ever felt. And I say this with as humbly as I can. I asked Ava's permission to share it. Because I'm not attacking you. I'm with you. And a few years ago, I, we were ready to launch this church. I had, I had Bayside Chapel, a church of about 1,000 people. I, I felt all of these feelings of, like, now I have to be, like, I, I can be youth pastor, Jason, but now I have to be, like, a, like an adult pastor, and, like, that's weird, and that's not fun for me. And now I have to, like, lead people. And I'm like, all this, like, that weight that comes with that. And so Pastor Ritter said, why don't, why don't you preach two sermons back to back? And so I'm, I'm at Bayside. I'm preaching two sermons back to back. And the first one I wanted to preach on was Psalm 51. 
where, where King David had had an affair and then he murdered a man and then he writes this psalm that there's this, this, this psalm of repentance and saying, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation and then the dirtiness of his feelings and the dirtiness of his sin and, and the dirtiness of all of it, all the dirt, he's saying, God, I need you. And so I wanted to preach on that. And, and, and that week, I was out cutting the grass and I, and I got what I thought was a bug bite. And so I went to the doctor and, uh, and I'm talking with the doctor. I, he's examining me. I'm talking about my symptoms and whatnot. And I'm like, I, I think it's a bug bite. I, I'm walking in just thinking I'm gonna, I need an ointment. Like, just like, help me like, put some ointment on, on my bug bite. Like, everything's good to go. I'm out. And he starts questioning me, uncomfortable questions. Have you ever been with anybody that's not your wife? Well, pre-marriage, Doc, like 10 plus years ago. And he asks me more questions, and he looks at me and says, I think this was like a Monday, or I think it was Monday, he looks at me and says, I think you have herpes. And I was like, Doc, I walked in here for a bug bite. (laughs) And I'm going to have to call my wife and say, what? And and you want to write dirty? Like, walk in Ava's shoes for a second. Like, fall asleep in my bed, uh, having to wonder, like, yeah, Ava, I promised 10 years ago, everything that you knew when you read my journals, I've told you everything. And the doc was like, yeah, it can remain dormant for 10 plus years and then show show itself. I was like, doc, I don't know. So for 48 hours, the weight of my past sin and feeling that I needed to defend what didn't need to be defended and, 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 and all the weight of this dirty, 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 I don't deserve Jesus. I don't deserve Jesus. I am good for nothing. How can I even start a church? How can I do all of that dirt, 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 dirt? And then the doctor calls me and says, yeah, it was a bug bite. You were right. And I've called in your ointment. Good to go. Have you ever wanted to reach through a, a phone? <laughs> Haven't been back to that doctor. He, that was a fun 48 hours, but it's 100% true. And so Jesus reaches in what we would think is untouchable and touches that man and says, I am willing. It screams of, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, that he knows our way. He knows everything we would write on a card, and he, yet he chose to die for us. And he tells this man, don't say anything, just go to the temple, a, a temple where you've been isolated from people, a temple that you haven't been allowed to go to, you've been living in your own community. Now go to the temple and show them that you're healed. And so he upholds the law to show compassion to this person, meaning that you have to pay your taxes. You can't not pay your taxes just to show other people compassion. You still have to follow the law because the law said the guy had to go to the temple and be right and be made clean at the temple. That's where the declaration had come. And so what we see here is a question, a touch, and then complete healing. And so there's this question for us, God, will you? And Jesus meets us in that and says, yes, I will. And that's where complete te- redemption comes. And that's why we celebrate an all-inclusive gospel message. There is nothing too dirty that Jesus can't make clean. 
There is nothing. You can't outsin God's grace. And so we believe in an all-inclusive gospel message where anybody can come to Jesus. Every sin can be forgiven except for dying by neglecting Jesus. But if you come to Jesus, he forgives it all. We believe in an all-inclusive gospel message where religious people want to take certain sins and throw them out the camp. You live in your own community. We want nothing to do with you. And that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says in an all-inclusive way, I want you all to come to me. I love you all. I have enough forgiveness for all of you all, whatever is written on your card. And we have to learn from that and not see ugliness in other people's sin, but see the ugliness in our own selves and embrace forgiveness in our own selves. And, and here's what would make life change. Now, 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 now you're cleaned by the leper. What if he ignored Jesus? Like, he's healed. Like, is he really going to go back and live in the community? Like, that wouldn't make logical sense, would it? Like, would it make logical sense for this clean, this healed uh, leper to now walk down the streets yelling, unclean, unclean, unclean? Like, he wouldn't do that. But, but don't some of us do that? Don't some of us go back to this old way of life, this old way of doing things when, when we've been cleaned by the power of Jesus Christ? We, we fall back into that when Jesus says, as a testimony to them, you walking clean, you walking healed with your skin, that's the testimony. Let your life change be testimony to what I've done, and that becomes newsworthy. And so our passage continues, but now even more of the report about him went aboard. He didn't need the leper to speak up. His life changed, did enough speaking. So it happened naturally, and great crowds gathered to hear him, to be healed uh, from their infirm, uh, in, infirmities. And, and, he, and he would withdraw to desolate places and, and pray. Jesus saw the pressure of being in ministry. He saw that as he heals a leper that no one else could do, that all of a sudden droves of people are coming to him. And what does Jesus do when it's starting to get widespread? He removes himself to pray. Jesus didn't do anything too often except for pray. The most consistent thing that Jesus ever did in his ministry was removing himself and praying. And so in, in the busyness of our lives, maybe we need to take a page from Jesus' book and remove ourselves to, to reflect and to rest and to recharge. Perhaps, perhaps we see limits in how we treat other people and what we, where we will love other people. Perhaps there are limits in our own thinking because we're not spending time with Jesus. And understand that he is all forgiving. Perhaps we're, we're flippant with our own sin nature. That, that, that I, I, your, your sin stinks. Mine doesn't. Mine's not so bad. I've got it going on. I only do a few small things here and there. Perhaps that type of an attitude comes because we're not regularly spending time with Jesus. And perhaps a balanced approach to self-care will help us love ourselves and help us love others. Jesus looks at this man and says, I am willing to be clean. And maybe in your regular time with Jesus, you'll find deep communion with him because he looks at you, everything that will and ever has been written on this card and says, you're mine. I want you. Maybe instead of rushing around and keeping busy, maybe we need to spend more time with Jesus. There's an endless amount of opportunities before Jesus. He could keep going and going, but he removes himself and he would withdraw to pause and to, and to pray. In this last week, this is a picture of my uh, bookcase right next to my desk. 
And on here is a bunch of little memorabilia. The cans on the top are from the Red Sox World Series. Uh, after they won, you, they, uh, they, okay, sorry. Uh, and so there's, there's a few things on there, but like the shell, uh, the piece of wood there in the corner and at the bottom, those are, those are things that I tripped upon while I was running or walking and praying. And I was telling my grandmother this past week about those prayer walks and how, uh, influence, uh, in, in, how they influenced me. The, the one that kind of looks like a half circle, that was from when I got a phone call saying that B98.5 was going to pick up the gas day. And I was like so overwhelmed. I was like, God, you're going to do something crazy with this gas day. And then he did. And, 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 like I was over, and so like all these different prayer walks. And, and sometimes like God has this way, unique way of releasing us and allowing us to love people through time with prayer. And how it happened this week was Monday morning I got up and I was praying and I was, I was confessing before God and I was reading uh, the last verses in 2 Thessalonians. And, and I've really been, I told you guys this before, I've been struggling this year with, an, with a friend of mine from, from past, predating wellspring like that. I've been struggling with that, that I, a relationship that has just gone and like feeling like God's telling me just to remove myself from the chaos of this person and really praying and wanting to be released from that. And, and so I, I read these verses and it talks about like not having to do with somebody that like in this situation to walk away from a brother like that. But it, but it, it said in this verse that you would treat the person like a brother and not an enemy. And so then I went to prayer and I started praying like, yeah, I don't hate this person. I love this person, and what the most loving thing I can do is probably walk away because when I stay, there's chaos and there's drama. And so sometimes when we're in regular communion with God, he has a way of teaching us things that helps us to love people better, as ironic as that might be. And so my big thought for us this morning is that the all-inclusive nature of Jesus demands a life of balance. The all-inclusive nature of Jesus demands a life of balance where we're giving to others, but we're also doing self-care. So, so when I say life of balance, does that mean to live in a cookie-cutter life? No, that doesn't exist. Anybody here have that cookie-cutter life where you work 9 to 5, you come home, and you have dinner on the table, your kids are always well-behaved, your kids are only in one sport, and it, only, it never happens on Sunday? Like You live that any who here? The cookie-cutter life doesn't exist. So, so, what do we, so what do we mean about a, a, a life of balance? It means first seeing that there's no limit to the people that Jesus wants to reach with the gospel. And then there's this tension of, what about, what about me? Like, how far are you willing to go to love others? How far are you willing to go to love yourselves? How far are you willing to go to forgive others? Where, where are there limits in, in, in your love? But then that you turn the page and, and you see the second half of this passage where Jesus has limits. Where he's putting up a wall, he's removing himself. That's a limit. That's a boundary. He's removing himself. So, so, so how do we balance that where we care for ourselves and, 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 and not make Christianity just like one box in our life? Here's my Christian box. Here's my work box. Here's my family box. Here's my friend box. Here's my drink. No, we shouldn't do that. Here's, like, you see, like we have all these boxes in, in our lives and Christianity just fits into one nice box. But why, how does it penetrate all areas of of our lives. And for me, I want to suggest that perhaps it's for us, it's starting to see that the mission of Jesus includes you. The mission of Jesus includes you. We pray for one, and we want to encourage our people to pray for one here at church and also in a life group. Please join a life group. Be invested in, 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 in a life group. There's, there, there has to be a balance to that, a balance where we are, are in regular communion with Jesus Christ, where we understand there's no limits to his love for us, 
And then we understand that if there's no limits to his love for us and we're in regular communion with him, then we can go out. We're positioned to go out and to have love for other people. It, it, are, are you in this story? Are, are you like the leper that feels like, I don't know, Jesus, if you're willing, he is willing. Or are you the antithesis of Jesus where you're not taking time away to be with Jesus and you need to do that. You need to remove yourself from the chaos. Because when we don't, it breeds our ability to isolate others, which is a form of unacceptance. Instead of allowing God to heal us, and then we are conduits to heal other people by the power of the Holy Spirit. I do truly believe that there is nothing too dirty that Jesus can't make clean. And true compassion will flow when I understand that Christ has forgiven of me. And so my challenge for us this week is to pick up some trash. So go home and tell your spouse, I'll get the garbage. And they will fall off their chair. <laughs> but I mean it seriously. My, my, my challenge is that we would take a moment to take garbage, like literal garbage, and, and throw it away. And my, and my thought process in this is that when we take a, a, a step to, maybe, maybe that's your house to hold chore every single week that you take out the garbage. Well, one time this week, say to yourself, there's nothing too dirty that Jesus can't make clean. Jesus picks up the garbage in our lives. Why would we keep living in garbage? And so that's my challenge, and we have a great opportunity for you after church when we clean up downtown. Uh-oh, shameless plug. <laughs> I want to be a church that's useful to God, and so that means that we need to be reaching out to other people. We need to have no limits in who we're going to reach for the power of Jesus Christ. It also means that there's no limits to the, to the influence he's going to have on our lives, that he's going to, we're going to be in regular communion with Jesus Christ and that we're going to reach out to others as an overflow of our love. And so, Brady, I want to invite you up here for a second. Brady, and you still want your brother to come with you? No? Okay. Brady, come, come sit with me for a second. Um, Brady uh, heard that I had uh, played a song about Reagan, where Reagan sang, Jesus loves me, this I know. And uh, he got real jealous and instantly said, I want up on stage. And, uh, right? Yes, okay. And, uh, and so uh, I got Brady's permission to tell a story that is hard on the front end. And, uh, and so, because he, he, uh, he lives in a home where everything he does is a sermon illustration. And uh, so right now it's fun, but later it won't be. And, uh, and so this past, uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, Brady did something very unfortunate. And so... Uh, we, they're just playing music, they're good. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we got a call from school, and uh, Brady had been picking on another kid, saying some mean things. And, uh, and so the parents were very upset. We were, we were moved by that. Like, that's not the Brady we know. Brady that we know has this huge heart, has, wears hot dog baseball shirts and rips baseballs. He's like, he's my boy. And I was like, this isn't, like, what's going on? And um, and Ava and I prayed. We fasted over this. It, it ruined us. And, uh, and so we had to have very hard conversations with Brady. And uh, because we saw something ugly, ugly. And, uh, and so we knew that hurt people hurt people. And so we started looking at our own parenting. We started looking at where there's their hurt in my son. And we started walking through that. And then we brought punishments. We, we dealt with that. He wasn't allowed back in school until the other kid felt safe to be around Brady. And, and Brady had to literally take an index card, right? 
and we wrote Psalm, a verse from Psalm 51, and Brady was memorizing that. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what was evil in your sight. Right? Right. And, and he worked on that, and, um, and Brady, Brady walked with us, and he accepted our forgiveness. He accepted Jack's forgiveness. He accepted Jack's parents' forgiveness. Uh, and he, above all, accepted Jesus' forgiveness. And um, on Friday, when he got to go back to school, his teacher sent me some pictures of, um, of him and Jack playing together. Because when Jack was extending forgiveness to Brady, he, he said, I, I just want to be your friend. Like, rip your heart out, right? And, um, and I was like, Brady, like, Jack's a good kid. Like, do you want to be his friend? And Brady was like, yeah, I just was trying to be cool, and I, I was dumb. <laughs> No, he's a good kid. And, and the hero in the story isn't Brady. The hero in the story is Jack that says, Brady, I forgive you, and beyond that, I want a friendship with you. I don't want nothing to do, you, do with you. I, I want a friendship with you. And so in our 2018 world, we can, we can look at Brady, we can look at Jason. Uh, uh, we, I, could write, I could write sexual deviant, and you all could look at me like that. Brady could write down bully, and you all could look at him like that. But Jesus doesn't see any of those things. Jesus sees the blood that he shed for you and I, that there's nothing too dirty that he can't make clean. So why are we going back to the leper community? Why are we going back to these unclean areas of our lives? I told Brady that the way I know that you are sorry is that you don't do it again. You don't live like that person anymore. If you are truly sorry, life change is going to be in and through you. And I've been getting reports that he's been taking it seriously. And so I thank Brady for taking Jesus serious enough to say he's forgiven me. I'm going to walk in that forgiveness. And so as we close today, I'm going to bring this garbage can down here. There's another garbage can down to the side over there because the piano is a uh, hazard. And uh, so there's a garbage can over there. Brady, this is your card. Brady had to write a literal, literal verse on here. But I'm going to ask we're, Carly and, and Mindy are going to play this song by Natalie Grant called Clean. And maybe you need to say, I'm accepting Christ's forgiveness today. I'm taking out the garbage. I'm going to throw this away, and I'm not going to live in garbage anymore.